Welcome to the enchanting world of nursery rhymes, where childhood memories and timeless tales intertwine. Join us on the A Tisket Tasket podcast as we embark on a delightful journey through the rich history and captivating origins of beloved nursery rhymes. Tune in for an exploration that will delight nursery rhyme enthusiasts and folklore aficionados alike. And now your host, Gina. Hello and welcome to a Tisket Tasket podcast. I'm your host, Gina, and today we will be kicking off January 2024 with nursery rhymes about babies and children. Of course, there are many rhymes that focus on this topic, but I wanted to spend the month talking about rhymes that either mention babies directly or give importance to how a baby will grow. That brings me to this week's episode, Monday's Child. As always, before we get started, I encourage you to check out my website and blog to see what references I use and see how you can contribute to my work. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, I apologize, I still have a really nasty case of bronchitis, so I'm sure my voice sounds a little wonky and I am exhausted. But nevertheless, let's get started today. To refresh your memory, here is one of the modern versions of Monday's Child, collected by John Orchard Hollywell. Monday's Child is fair of face. Tuesday's Child is full of grace. Wednesday's Child is full of woe. Thursday's Child has far to go. Friday's child is loving and giving. Saturday's child works hard for a living. And the child born on Sunday is Bonnie, Bliss, Good, and Gay. Monday's child is a simple rhyme that has a dual purpose. One, it teaches young children the seven days of the week. And it also is supposed to tell the fortune or character of the child depending on whatever day of the week he or she was born. Monday's child has a Roud Folk Song Index number of 19,526. John Orchard Hollywell first collected this nursery rhyme in 1838, published in A.E. Bray's Traditions of Devonshire, Volume 2. However, like many of the rhymes I talk about on this podcast, it is much older than the first published collection. The Elizabethan playwright Thomas Nash, 1567-1601, most famed for his the unfortunate traveler, and Pierce Penniless, recalled this popular ditty from his childhood in the 1570s in Suffolk, stating the line, what luck everyone should have by the day of the week he was born on. Harper's Weekly Magazine, a New York political publication that ran from 1857 until 1916, ran an article about the rhyme in September 1887, discussing its origins. Since, luckily, all of Harper's Weekly magazines have been digitized, I looked up the edition quite easily and then immediately got sucked into the vortex of getting sidetracked reading about all sorts of all the amusing things that appears in Harper's magazine. But nevertheless, Harper's has an article following a young man called Tom Barley in his quest to better himself. Part of this education was being taught to read by a scholarly, pious, and superstitious woman named Amelia Jane. Amelia Jane apparently had superstitious musings all over her house, which she taught to Tom, one of which was Monday's Child. Another weekly ditty was, quote, a magical formula which Tom soon learned by heart, and it goes, Cut your nails on Monday, cut them for wealth. 
cut them on Tuesday, cut them for health. Cut them on Wednesday, cut them for news. Cut them on Thursday for a new pair of shoes. Cut them on Friday, cut them for sorrow. Cut them on Saturday, see sweetheart tomorrow. Cut them on Sunday, cut them for evil. The whole of the week you'll be ruled by the blank. I know that's not Monday's child, but I just had to jump in and share another fun rhyme for the week. In any case, this article continues to talk about Amelia Jones's fascination with superstitions and fortune-telling. I wish I could share with you how the story ended, but it appears to be a serial piece following a group of society figures and kind of what they get up to. But in any case, here's a great example of Monday's Child appearing in the United States in the late 19th century as not only a nursery rhyme, but also as a bit of fun superstition. The rhyme has also been quoted in popular television and literature since then as well. In one of P.L. Travers' popular Mary Poppins series, written between 1934 and 1988, the rhyme is referenced in Mary Poppins Comes Back in 1935. Charles Adams, famed cartoonist of the Adams family, supposedly named Wednesday from this rhyme. Author Margaret Atwood's The Testaments mentions this poem, specifically Wednesday and Thursday's Child. And James Joyce's Ulysses referenced the poem, which revolves around a Thursday. Also, in the children's book Clever Polly in the Stupid Wolf, 1955, written by Catherine Storr, the two main characters argue about Wolf's version of the rhyme, which talks about how tasty children are, depending on what day of the week they were born. So as you can see, this is a popular nursery rhyme that appears in a number of different pieces of literature. Circling back to the superstitious nature of this rhyme, in his 1968 collection Popular Rhymes in Nursery Tales, a sequel to the Nursery Rhymes of England, John Orchard Hollywell discusses the popular nature of these types of rhymes, as in superstitions rhymes. He writes, Although the spread of education has doubtlessly weakened in an extraordinary degree the hold in which superstition formally maintained on the mind of the public, yet vestiges of the more innocent portions of the superstitious belief are still inconsiderable refute among the lower orders and may be found in all their force in many of the rural districts. It may be a question how far a complete eradication of these would benefit the cause of religion and morality, treason though it be in these times to doubt the efficacy of argumentative education. But all of us cannot be philosophers, and need we reprove of pretty village maiden for plucking the even ash or four-leaf clover? The selfish tendency of the age in their opposition to every action which partakes of poetry or romantic belief will affect their mission without the aid of the cynic. Okay, this is Gina going off script a bit, but reading Halliwell always makes me laugh because I imagine we would constantly butt heads if we had ever met in person. There's just something so ridiculous and I would say pompous about the way he talks about these rhymes and how people refer to them or use them. But because here's a man who's studying stories for children, but he always makes it seem like he's like above it all or looking down his nose at people. And he seemingly is granting the lowly peons to go ahead and believe in such silly things, like picking a four-leaf clover. So I always laugh when I read Halliwell. But nevertheless, Halliwell's work is instrumental in my line of work, and that is rambling weekly about nursery rhymes. And of course, I had to share what he had to say about it. 
Halliwell also talks about superstitions in terms of religion as well, and there are conflicting reports that he changed the lyrics to Monday's Child by changing Sunday to Sabbath Day, which you will hear in the musical versions that I've picked for the week. However, in popular rhymes, from which I have just read, Halliwell changes the lyrics to Saturday's Child works hard for its living, and a child that's born on Christmas Day is fair and wise and good and gay. Further, Halliwell talks about this poem in particular. He mentions that Friday's child may originally be been something negative, as the association with Friday being bad luck among Christians due to its connotation with the crucifixion. I take this idea with a grain of salt, because Halliwell has been known to attribute anything or change words to mean more about religion than maybe its original intention. I also wish he had more to say about this rhyme in particular. In the book that I just read out loud, in the previous entry, he talks about the nail-cutting rhyme that I referenced earlier in this episode. And he has a lot to say about nails and like the way a nail looks and the superstitions behind cutting nails and the, the appearance of nails and growing nails. But he had surprisingly little to say about the day of one's birth in this particular collection. I did not reference another one. But now let's go ahead and list to some musical versions of this nursery rhyme. One of the versions we will be listening today is the 1986 version from the Jordan Evan Band from their album, Your Birthday Party, Celebrate Your Birthday, 14 Languages. Because of copyright laws, I only have 20 seconds or so of this song, but let's go ahead and take a listen. Thursday's child is fair of face, Wednesday's child is bright and gay, Monday's child enjoys each day. Have a happy birthday, 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 have a happy birthday, have a happy life. But the second version we will listen to is from the YouTube channel Songs for Children, published in 2023, produced, composed, and sung by Amy Kakora. Her link to the video will be under my reference section, but let's go ahead and listen to her full version of the song. Monday's child is fair of face, Tuesday's child is full of grace, Wednesday's child is full of love, Thursday's child has far to go, Friday's child is loving and giving, Saturday's child works hard for a living, and the child that is born on the Sabbath day is bonny and blithe and good and gay. And finally, the last version is from another YouTube channel, this one from YouTube user David whose post appears to be a 1970s cartoon version. It kind of reminds me of the art style of Rocky and Bullwinkle. But go ahead and follow the link from my reference page to watch the short animation. But let's listen to it now. Monday's child is fair of faith. Tuesday's child is full of grace. Wednesday's child has grown well. Thursday's child has far to go. Friday's child is loving and giving. Saturday's child works hard for its living And the child that is born on the Sabbath day Is good and kind and sweet and gay And if you were listening closely to all three versions You heard the Sabbath version rather than Sunday And I'm unsure where it changed in popular literature From Sunday's child to Sabbath child But I do know that John Orchard Halliwell references it in some of his writing. But, well, there we have it. 
three versions of the short nursery rhyme of Monday's Child. This nursery rhyme was first collected again by J.O.H. in the 1830s, but likely, as I've mentioned about a number of nursery rhymes, is probably much, much older, as you can tell, because I referenced it from the Elizabethan playwright from the 16th century. It is a great rhyme to teach your children the days of the week, and it's fun with the superstitions. We see that it is still used today, it's still popular today, and there are other rhymes that are similar as far as telling the portents of your child's fate through rhyme. But I hope you found this week's episode interesting. Again, I apologize, it's a little bit short, I just feel very crummy, but hopefully we will get back on a good rhythm here. And the rest of January, we are going to be talking about nursery rhymes that have to do with babies or fortune telling in uh, children's birth. So stay tuned next week where I will continue to talk about the weirdness of nursery rhymes and the weirdness of people who collect them. Goodness. Thank you. Thank you for listening to a Tisket Tasket podcast. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss a future episode. If you found value in today's content, please share with others and consider leaving a review. Also, follow Gina on all social media platforms, and we'll see you next time.